Here she is. Hi, she. Hi, she. <laughs> Hi, gay. <laughs> hey, now I gotta. <laughs> Hello, come one, come all. Welcome to Tears for Queers, where we dissect the trajectory or a lack thereof of the queer movements, basically where it's been, where it is now, and where we think it's going. I'm Aroncito, your favorite little gay boy, and I'm here with Baby. What's up? Hello. Hi, friends. Very excited that we are doing this inaugural talk show here. It's something that we've been passionate about since we met like six years ago in New York. Um, just always kind of butting heads with um, heteronormative white people, but also sometimes with ourselves about, you know, what it really means to be queer and whether or not it's a good or bad thing now in terms of how we're being represented in modern society. So our first theme is whether or not punk is queer. And I mean, I feel like it definitely is, but just examining the ways um, in which it is. So that's our argument is that at the end of the day, punk is queer. I feel like it'll always be like something either is or is not queer. And we'll tell you why. We'll lead you along. But specifically this week, everything is queer it's all a little bit queer guys just so you know spoiler alert spoiler alert (laughs) no i think it's funny that you know recently they released the when we were young music festival and it kind of is what inspired um us to look closely at like the origins of punk i mean or specifically like pop punk as well and just seeing the journey that it's taken for us to have now in our early 30s, a music festival around like the music that made us so excited as queer teenagers, you know, like, what's up with that? Like, what is it that we were like taking away from these kind of new wave punk movements of the early 2000s? But I want to talk about quickly, since you brought up the festival, let's- um, We gotta talk festival. Let's talk about (laughs) festival culture. The last festival we went to was- GovBall. And was it GovBall or Panorama? I've never been to Panorama. So it was GovBall because Shannon and the Clams was playing and I was like really excited. I don't remember, I I don't remember who headlined, but. We saw the Killers. That was pretty major. Was that, I think that was, I think that was that year because we we went to GovBall a couple times, but we were definitely like, we are way too old for festivals. <laughs> right. And, I feel like I have like one more festival in me, but I have to be careful like which one it is. Now that people are dying at festivals, oh, is is it too soon? <laughs> Sorry. No, I wanted, I wanted to bring that up. I wanted to bring that up because all of it, it it's it's so when the Travis Scott Astro World thing happened, you know, it scared a lot of us millennials um because we are so into festival culture and those right. of us that grew up you know, in punk scenes, like I've been going to punk shows my whole life. And, and so. No, yeah. Like there's a lot of kind of misunderstandings around the punk scene in general, like, oh, like let's thrash. And it's like, actually, if you've been in a mosh pit at like a proper punk show, like it is quite supportive. You're just proper punk. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We are, um, 
we're supporting each other. You're keeping a rhythm going, like a movement. It's like everything is synergy. There's like a synergy of everyone kind of creating like one big, like you're all a part of it, you know? So it's not supposed to be this like throw your elbows, like step on people kind of vibe. Um, but I do think what happened with Astroworld, um, not us getting into Astroworld, but it was that everyone was like suffocated. There was just too many fucking people like squishing against each other. And so there was just a lack of movement, but also like a lack of respect for people needing to move. It's like, dude, like spread the message. Someone is literally getting their lungs crushed. Like, can we get them out? I mean, rest in peace, like all the people who uh, fortunately died there, but like, it does kind of trigger this festival anxiety that I used to not have, but now I'm like, why did I not have it? Like, I feel like, especially right. right when we were like our younger twenties, I feel like that's when festival culture really skyrocketed. There was like every month, like a festival to go to. And so like, that's, I think that's why we never had anxiety around it because we never had to like, Right. Festivals, festivals specifically are for young people. <laughs> we'll go to the we'll go to the one in Vegas and we'll put on our striped socks. Yes. <laughs> do our eyeliner and not tell our parents. We should get into the overlap of queer style and punk style and kind of I don't know how did that how did that kind of influence you when you were like coming into your own? Okay. So, I listened to a lot of like pop punk and I listened to a lot of like classic punk um and a lot of like queer underground stuff which was really big in like the bay area in like the early 2000s but I I specifically did not want to dress like a punk like a punk I did like I hated like hot topic culture I hated like I, I was like you guys are trying too hard <laughs> yeah um, and I was struggling with my gender identity. So I very much wanted to like cover up. And so my style was very much like jeans and like a band t-shirt and, and like right. a, like a, one of those wristbands, like one of the sweatbands, <laughs> Typically like a band, like one of the bands that I listened to on it. Um, I also think there's something about like, oh, you can just go shopping at Hot Topic and buy the getup. Like my family was not buying me that, first of all, like they were they were mad that I was listening to Maroon 5. Like there was no way they were gonna let me listen, let alone dress like anything else, you know? So it did feel like this secretive thing that I had to make like makeshift outfits that represented me because I couldn't go one for lack of means to be able to just like buy shit to look punk, but also not having, uh, or I guess having like authoritarian parents that like wouldn't allow it. So in that way, like looking back, it does feel more punk. But I was like kind of finessing these looks, you know, out of what I had or like hiding something or like kind of secretly cutting it up or adding accessories later that I would borrow from friends. Um, it really became this kind of contrarian approach to fashion. Did your parents, were they worried about it, about you looking gay like was that was that or was it like oh we don't want like those you know deadbeats in our house like or was right. it right um I think it's both but it leans more towards the gay thing it okay. was more like we don't kind of understand this direction he's trying to go in aesthetically and so this is to the typical use of the word queer you know they were they were worried that it was such a strange or odd kind of manifestation of my behavior and my appearances. And so 
oh my God, what happened was like, I would get the skinny jeans, right? And I would have kind of like the tight fitting band shirt. And I was like a little, I was a little chunky teen. It was fine. <laughs> and my mom would just like hate the way the tight clothes like looked on me. She would always comment about it. And she's like, oh, you need to be wearing like baggier clothes. Like, you know, my dad being African-American, my mom being Mexican and just coming from a more like machismo culture of like, you know, the late nineties, early two thousands. It was like, everything is baggy, you know? And I was doing the opposite of that. So they're like, oh fuck. <laughs> they're like, we know, we know what's in store. But what I found out later is my mom would throw away my clothes like secretly when like I wasn't home and I'd be like looking for like a pair of pants and like stressing out, um, such a gay thing. <laughs> she was oh, like, like a gaslighting. I it's know. Like, shit? It like slipped <laughs> out. She was like, oh, I threw that away a long time ago. And I was like, what? She's like, oh, just kidding. And would like go do something else. And I started to realize like the clothes that she would, you know, comment on or critique before would suddenly go missing. And I'm like, how if they were my favorite, like I would keep track of them. And so, yeah, it was kind of this like psychological battle to be like, can I please be myself? What the fuck? <laughs> and even though it's like manifesting as this like, you know, early 2000s, like pop punk movement, it was always about being gay. I think it was always just like the, you know, the ability and the autonomy to be able to say, this is who I am that frightened them. And I think it made me like more excited <laughs> to be even gayer <laughs> down the road. You know, I was like, you know, like, let me clap back full throttle just to see like what they were so afraid of. Um, but that's a story for another day. Okay. Um, but that's, I, that's really sad. I, I don't like that mom was throwing away your stuff. <laughs> it's a tear. It's definitely a tear for a queer. <laughs> a tear for a queer. Um, yeah, my parents, my parents didn't, uh, didn't really have an issue with the, the dress, um, for me specifically, cause I still wore women's jeans and I would wear like a, like a baggy t-shirt, but my sister would wear men's jeans. We were both like kind of little, like punk, like we went to shows together or whatever. Cute. Uh, but my sister also was kind of having like a, you know, body image issue and she would wear baggier shirts and men's jeans and older and younger sister older sister why haven't I met her do you think we'd get along I you guys you guys <laughs> you guys would get along you guys would get along right? you know I always um, have like an apprehension when people are like oh like you'll definitely get along with this person and I'm like bitch what do you think you know about me <laughs> like, right. and, the and audacity to think you can perceive me like excuse me <laughs> me being perceived no not today um no my my sister uh we we have a interesting relationship that that might be a, a story for another day let's put a pin but in that one she was she dressed a little bit more like masculine than me. Mm -hmm. And that was a big, that was a big issue with my family. That was a huge issue specifically with my father. Um, he who was an Italian, Italian men. Um, <laughs> and they, they need their women to be feminine. Yeah. Uh, there was some similar throwing away of clothing, uh, or ripping them <laughs> in a, in a fit. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, okay. You're just hands with your bare hands. That's, ooh. but uh, my parents' issue was actually with the music 
the way that the music sounded, they, they thought it was very, like, I come from a very like old fashioned, my dad is really into like Broadway. My mom is Mm. from Haiti and listened to Elvis. Um, (laughs) So like for me to come in and being like, yeah, punk rock. (laughs) (laughs) What is my child (laughs) listening to? Uh, It's just really funny. What ended up happening with me and my sister is that she's very high femme now and like super straight like hmm. very like I will only do it was men. just a phase mom like side note she was like married to a whole woman and it really was like just a phase but um <laughs> whoa you said a whole woman a whole, a whole ass woman, woman. <laughs> so it was and so she identifies as like very femme very straight yeah. um she's like really fit really skinny like she works out a lot um she has a really big ass but oh, I, woman, hand, yeah. it's, you know, it's in the family. I, on the other hand, identify as non-binary. So I was kind of like the more femme one growing up. Um, and I, I like to present as femme, um, but it, it is very draggy for me, which kind of mm. brings us back to like the punk style and the punk culture. Like it, yeah. it really is just like a, like a game. It's, right. It's, like it's yeah. already kind of, kind of a fucking skeptical that we cosplay as men and women every day. It's literally that. And so what if we just kind of further do it? I mean, it's camp, honey. I want to get into talking about the history of punk yeah, and how it has always been queer. Okay. We looked up some definitions of both punk and queer by yes. Miss Miriam. Miss Maria her Webster herself. Herself. <laughs> Let's hear from Miriam. What does Miriam have to say about punk? Uh, Miriam says it is a loud, fast moving, and aggressive form of rock music popular in the late 1970s. So, yeah, that's pretty like on the nose of what it's generally conceived as, but I'm more curious about these informal definitions. Um, the first one being a worthless person, often used as a term of abuse. And then there's another one that says to trick or deceive uh, or in poor condition. To trick Hmm. or deceive, I think is really interesting because people say that about like trans people a lot too. Right. Like this big trickery of like, oh, what's in there? Yeah. They're literally just trying to pull one over on us. I'm like, calm down. Like stop being so self-obsessed that you think the rest of the world is obsessed with you. Like punk is a subculture. Yeah. So once something is recognized as punk by the hegemonic culture, like the overarching regular culture, yeah, 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 it's like no longer punk anymore. And so now, now you have to have like new ways of becoming punk, even to the point where in, I, I think we pinned it in like the nineties, calling yourself punk wasn't punk anymore. So let's in, in the nineties and, and the two thousands when like we were in our heyday, Punk, punk redefined itself. Yes. Like it was no longer Avril Lavigne, Blink-182. That was pop punk. Mm-hmm. Uh, so do you think that you, like, like would you say you were a punk? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I, no, I would say- to call yourself a punk. <laughs> I would say I would in terms of the attitude, you know, I was literally finding ways to rebel and it had to do with my fashion choices like who I wanted to be friends with like the type of conversations I wanted to be having so like even it was such a struggle just for me to express myself to go against like this regime and I feel like in that way like it does have to do with like 
the original punk movement, it was very anti, you know, it was like, okay, we don't like the system of things right now. We don't like what's being spoon fed to us. Like, what if we created a space outside of all of that? I don't know, it's a little bit like paradoxical now, because it's like, how can you have something that is defined as being anti-definition? <laughs> so it, it leads to some, I don't know, some clash in terms of like, what it means to really be punk, but that's what I like that it is this malleable thing, kind of like queerness, you know, it takes different forms, like as we're going along. Um, and what I think is funny is like, we talk about pop punk and I feel like punk just became like, as like queerness became more acceptable in terms of just like obvious gay sounds and visuals, <laughs> I think that informed the punk scene too, like things that have worked together for a long time in terms of its anti-establishment. Now, once queerness became a little bit more established, we had like pride, we had like, you know, let's make the white gays comfortable. That leaned into punk music that now you have this kind of like Avril Lavigne, Blink-182, like sugary in my ear kind of punk, you know? But I think it was this flamboyance that was marketable. And I think it actually takes the same shape as queerness around that time. It was like, okay, we're gonna placate you with a version of queerness and a version of punk hence pop punk. And I was like, oh, this speaks to me. <laughs> I, I, listen, pop punk is my whole childhood. <laughs> and so we're okay with that. It calls to me in a way that's transcendent. Turn all the lights down now. I mean, punk, punk in and of itself was um, that that spectacle of like classic rock where it was like the big lights and the big amphitheaters and whatever, whatever. Right. Um, that really punk was was so minimalistic in like the yeah. 80s and the 90s that it was very threatening to that like butt rock. Yeah. Um, that like spectacle rock, like the kiss and the and, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, Osborne and, and punk was just like shitty music. Right. Uh, like the point was for it to be kind of shitty. And um, the point was it for it to sometimes it had had a message. Sometimes it was like, you know, labor unions with the riot girls. It was feminism, um, just like anti culture. It's, it's right. a kind of what you were saying about like the spectacle of the rock star, like punk groups more back then were living their day-to-day -day life in these, you know, looking like this, in this way. Whereas you had other, other performers just putting on for the set and then going back to their like suit and tie pajamas. <laughs> but- take, take them kiss makeup off. And, exactly, and, you know. and they went back to just normalcy, but they were like, let's give them a cute little show. But before, like how you could really determine like if they were authentic to their fucking, punk shit <laughs> was that they were doing this like day in day out like 24 7 you know it was never a put on for a show I don't know I think that's cool which has it which which it, it's I don't think that it's possible anymore because of the Instagram and the likes so that was kind of what we were talking about was mm -hmm. you, you can't really be 
punk anymore because the way that you get your music out there is like essentially very like you have to market yourself in a very like mainstream capitalist way and be an aesthetic because of our phones and the fact that we are on camera all the time um but 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 that kind of I mean that kind of started with the hot topic you know like Avril Lavigne you know wearing a tie there was like all of a sudden they were making stuff that looked punk instead mm-hmm. of you having to like go in your dad's tool shed and like find the safety which pins. is antithetical to the whole thing <laughs> exactly and so so i i don't i don't know if punk other than like sticking it to the man can even like exist in our day mm-hmm. and age because or at least like punk bands like punk right music. Like because in the- you have to market yourself. It just you can't you can't do it outside of like the capitalist way and the way that you used to be able to like pre-internet. The premise already defeats the purpose. Yeah, there's a whole essay that I, I teach in my graduate studies course. Oh, not a teacher. Uh, a professor. <laughs> Professora. <laughs> but it is called uh, Why Johnny Can't Descent. I think I've sent it to you before too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it really is all about, the author I think is Thomas Frank. Um, and it really is all about once you kind of create a subculture, it immediately gets reappropriated by capitalism. Yeah. Um, starting back from... Uh, like women's women's lib and there were like you know in the 1920s there were like women marching like with cigarettes in there and they're like wait are we talking about the white suffragettes yes yes (laughs) great the white suffragettes and they were smoking their cigarettes yeah and the 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 smoking of the cigarettes uh like in their march was specifically a marketing campaign for like lucky strike cigarettes right then uh, even, someone call like, the truth campaign get them on this like what the fuck <laughs> and then we fast forward to uh like the pepsi ad with kendall jenner and yeah. it is the same thing we see oh. uh we see these big corporations um really capitalizing off your rebellion exactly um, I'm thinking of Vivian Westwood, who maybe she is like a little bit credited with the commercialization of punk because she was there in like these circles when it started building up, like Andy Warhol too, like Bowie, like all of them were fucking like vampires. <laughs> they would go into these scenes and be like, okay, how can we bring this to a larger audience? Um, even now, like Vivian Westwood's looks are really hearkening back to, you know, scraps of things put together. And I'm like, girl, people were doing this because they couldn't afford like new fabric, not because they thought it looked cute. It's like, once you have this concept of how it's supposed to be, that it loses its punk, right? Absolutely. It, it's just, it's like not, it, it, once once it's appropriated and, and like used for capitalist purposes. Um, and we, we see that with, with, with queerness as well. Yeah. Know, like this again the state recognizing queers is is a similar idea to the state recognizing punk or like capitalism recognizing punk hmm. as like a market yeah. like a way to market things right and then you're and like i'm right. gonna buy pepsi because <laughs> that's gonna 
and police brutality. Right. I want to talk more about the starting of this kind of like queer punk movement, especially in the 70s, especially in New York. So there was a club called uh, CBGB. And it used to stand for like country blues, like gra- like something like that. And then it was in the Bowery, actually, when the Bowery was like ghetto and dangerous. <laughs> and what happened was it wasn't like booking fast enough, like any of the shows it was designed for. And so you had bands like the Ramones, for example, who were one of the first bands to like play there. And like people thought they weren't serious. They were like, wait what what is this noise that they're putting on the stage and so clearly they like blew up they like made their way to the UK where punk took like a different form um we'll get into that in a sec but it all kind of was birthed at this venue that they were just trying to fill up slots with like random ass music so it's like what you were saying earlier that it's not supposed to sound good you know it's supposed to be about just like having a good time um without any sort of sense of restraints or control or manipulation, um, which comes from control. So it's just hilarious to me that the Ramones are kind of like this big pinnacle of it, but they started off being like drastically misunderstood as being like, what is this clownery (laughs) in their sound? I can't, yeah. I can't wait till we go. <laughs> it's it's going to be major. Also like Vegas, dot, dot, dot. I feel like Vegas is one of the most homophobic places on the planet. But at the same time, you have like these residencies, right? You have like, yeah. you have JLo, you have Britney, you have, I guess it's Adele now. But those are so fucking expensive that it's like, if you're curating these shows for literally the gay lawyers and doctors of society, you might as well be straight. (laughs) I don't know. It doesn't really have this like queerness about it. It it actually is a very like cookie cutter social world. Um, I don't know. I went to Vegas. I think the last time I was like 21 or 22. It was for a friend's birthday. Um, And I was like walking around, like trying to find a scene or or anything. I'm, I'm pretty flexible. You know this. I get into whatever. But just nothing was like clicking. I was like, I don't, nope, nope, nope. I don't know. And I'm a pretty yes person, but I wasn't really finding like my people there, you know, no semblance of a tribe anywhere. It was just kind of this very heterosexual environment, except for like, if you're an elite gay and I'm like, that doesn't count. Right. And that I think is really interesting because Vegas is where straight people go to act like we do on like a Tuesday night. You know, like, <laughs> I like that. Like that's, that's probably why, like we have our own clubs that are really, really fun and you right. can stay out till four in the morning. Just running around after. screaming. <laughs> yeah, you don't, you don't have to. That's really interesting uh, that you didn't feel a queer presence in Vegas and yeah, I would it wasn't I would wasn't aligning with me yeah the last changed. time you've been I was 20 probably 22 as well mm-hmm. it was like 10 years ago it's, it's boring like I you know <laughs> like, 
you're you're stranded in the mid- middle of the desert you know the the pools are fun. i like drinking at at the pools yes <laughs> but i'm not gonna like walk around drunk i would like rather be in new orleans or new york right 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 also just like i'm not a not like a gambling gal but i did win 600 dollars in a game of blackjack so quickly it was like my first time sitting down to like play the odds <laughs> and, That's um, awesome. That's yeah so cool. it was like 30 minutes past I suddenly had like all this all these fucking shits I was like I don't know what to do I'm freaking out right now <laughs> not me with like a surplus of money that never happens <laughs> so and you didn't I, <laughs> no I went and cashed out I was like I'm gonna be responsible and then like the whole night I was just like so impressed about it that I was like drinks are on me guys literally like just trying to buy like a couple rounds to celebrate, I was back to back to zero, net zero. Not a win, not a loss. And guess what? I got to have a VIP cosmopolitan, so it was worth it. Was it a tear or a queer? Um, mostly a tear. Mostly a tear. <laughs> Started queer, ended tear. That, yeah, that exactly. What's the last show you've been to? Shannon and the Clams. Right. And, and tell me about them. Like, aren't they kind? They're like pretty fucking queer, no? They're they're like very queer. Yeah. Um, it they are they are like surfer surfer punk. Um, I, I'm pretty sure they're from the Bay Area. They're very like quirky, but they're also like really talented. Like it's yeah. not. I I went to that show with you. It had this rhythm to it that was just so easy to move to and to enjoy. I was like, this is literal like enjoyable music, but with these like punk undertones for sure. And that's interesting too about like, you know, it's like surfer punk and then we have like pop punk and like alt punk. Like, I don't know, it became kind of like this basis word for like all these other things that are happening right now. And I'm kind of grateful for that too. Like I'd rather not call it punk, but it's kind of derivation of it. So, I'm here for it. original I mean original punk is like the Ramones and and like the Clash so so that kind of like to me it sounds very like 50s doo-wop which is so funny Mm. because again that's not what comes to your mind when you think of punk but that's like that was that was the original music it was it was like with like harmonies, like really shitty harmonies. Well, think just- about like Little Richard, for example. You can argue that this was kind of a punk act, you know? Like he even says like, oh, they used to call me sissy punk. So like he was being insulted with punk before punk was even a thing. And so right. I was looking it up, literally in the me- medieval times, <laughs> medieval times. Wait, did your school go to the medieval times? No, we were, I, I'm from up north, so we okay. weren't close to a medi- medieval. And I went to like a college prep high school, so like, okay. like no, <laughs> the mullet flip. Um, <laughs> the mullet no, flip. All the high schools in my county would go to fucking medieval times, 
And literally everyone would get this like $10 wooden sword. And <clears throat> it was just an excuse for like every fucking Jake, Tyler and Ryan, whose parents bought them the sword to come back and like beat all the fags with. Like, I was so annoyed. Like the last two periods after medieval times and everyone's like so excited to get their fucking wooden sword. They would just go around like attacking queer kids basically. <laughs> okay, not my trauma about medieval times, but basically. <laughs> no, you're basically... saying that punk in medieval times. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway the word punk originated in the 1500s and it meant sort of like a very feminine boy so not punk being like the original twink <laughs> like, that's so funny i didn't know that even in its fucking onset this word had something to do with kind of flamboyance and extravagance you know and this like homosexual undertones so i kind of like that also, give it up for your local twinks. I feel like twinks don't get enough credit in society. <laughs> there is nothing more punk rock than, you know, just taking the D on the daily. I'll say that. So I identify as a twink. I don't know if you know this, my more recent understanding of my gender identity, but I'm like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a twink. Like, I like that. My gender identity is twink. <laughs> my, my pronouns are twink. So tell me, like, what about Twinkosity do you subscribe to? Uh, I think it started with my my musical theater obsession. Yeah. Like, does I because I, I think about it if I were if I were assigned male at birth, like if I if I were raised as a boy, I would be exactly the same as I am. So right. and like so if you imagine imagine who I am, you know me very well, and you put that into just like, you know, take these away. Uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, even just how I relate to my partners intimately, it's yeah. very like, uh, <laughs> and, uh, I do see that for you. I don't really like, I don't know. I don't, I try not to like see your gender, like ever since you kind of like told me what you're going through and like, it does make sense. Like I see you as my, like my fag bestie. <laughs> <laughs> you and I have talked about this a lot and and you you know when I first came out as non-binary you were telling me that you feel differently around me than you do with your cisgendered friends even yes. um even the ones that are in the queer community and that right. made me special because no. <laughs> I've not you know I've never fully identified with with femininity or or womanhood deeper than the aesthetic I right. love the which again makes me feel very like twinky because I think that if I were whatever parts I would be born with mm -hmm. whatever body I was born into as long as I could do what you do myself yeah. in this femme way without it being intrinsically attached with my identity right it's not this pillar of like what you're supposed to do or what you're not supposed to do. It's just like, I like this and, yeah. and period. But, but fundamentally, I feel like I move around with the confidence and the uh, uh, assertiveness of a, of a boy, of a man, hmm. because mm -hmm. I, as a young person, and I wrote about this a little bit in my blog, as a young person, I saw that boys had more kind of license uh, to exist. Exactly. And I thought it was because they were confident. I thought they were given the license because of the confidence, not they had the confidence 
because they were given the license. Oh, okay. I like that. I felt very attracted to boyhood and boyishness. Mm -hmm. Um, and as I adopted that as my like personality, I, 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 I just, I can't get out of it now. Like I can't, I can't take those things away from myself because that's not how women are supposed to be. So I just fundamentally growing up and being attracted to the freedom that boys had, it, it, it really drew me into boyishness, which, which brings me to like the kind of non-binary identity that I exist in today, because I, I just don't identify fundamentally with womanhood it just doesn't it never had made sense to me for me it was kind of this radical thing to see Avril Lavigne for example not only was it kind of like a pop punk thing but bitch was doing tomboy you know unapologetically like I am going to do the the wife beater, like, hate that word. Let's call it a tank top. <laughs> um, and, you know, the baggy clothes and the, the tie and the hat, like, kind of like a departure from femininity for a female icon at the time. So I was like, oh, she's like, she's breaking the rules. I, I'm drawn to this. So that was kind of my, I would say it was like the only introduction, but it was one of them at the time where I was like, you know what, what if we played a little bit with these gender roles in terms of how we're supposed to look? And what does that look like for me? She got a free pass from being seen as like, oh, this is some, this is some dyke like over here talking about skateboards. Uh, because I think the culture at the time was a little more accepting of punkness. Or at this point, it was again, more of a pop punk thing. But she was able to hide behind the punk thing and not be stigmatized for the fact that it was so gender bendy. Uh, I think that's bitch. why nobody clocked Avril because she's a skinny white girl. Like skinny white girls get to do, you know, whatever they want and they can right. always be seen as feminine. And that is that like fundamentally. Right. They're not going to be like excavated in their personality to be like, you must mean this. You must mean that. Like, you don't know what you stand for. Let me tell you about it. That's like specifically for queer brown people. <laughs> yes. He was a boy, she was a girl. Can I make it any more obvious? He was a punk, she did ballet. What more can I say? And there was this band called the New York Dolls. And so they were kind of like, they played more into this queer core movement where they would always I mean the music wasn't great but it was never about that right <laughs> they have this song called personality crisis we'll play it oh I know personality crisis yeah uh... but they would have these ratchet ass shows and they would wear like ridiculous things and it was kind of drag you know it all sprawled out of this idea that you can do whatever you want within the punk scene and especially if you're queer. So that's why it resonated a lot with queer people because it's like, oh wait, like I can be anti-establishment. This thing that's like intrinsic to my identity has a space to flourish. And so, yeah, you have these queer core bands that never really took off, but like, that's the point, right? Cause like once you take off, I guess you're departing from the idea that you are punk. And I think queerness itself has also departed from what it used to mean about anti-assimilation, right? So we're talking about 
okay, cool. Like, let's make it about getting married. <laughs> let's make it about joining the army. And I'm like, not these fucking government sponsored <laughs> ways of being gay. Like we're missing the point here, but. Because the purpose of queerness is anti-establishment. Like it's, it's. it's... They go hand in hand for sure. And you're up And I like, I like the origin of, can you um, ask Miriam what her definition is of queer? Let's do that one too. Because I think queer, queer has a, queer has, I think an important uh, evolution um, as the word, like it typically there's, you know, the two original definitions is like kind of weird and quirky. Mm-hmm. Uh, Strange and, and odd one, says Miss Miriam. What does Miss Miriam say? Strange and odd. For example, she had a queer feeling that they were being watched. But then the second one, and it says often offensive, which I love, um, homosexual. And I'm like, bitch, I'm not offended. Like, um, I'm like, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. It's really funny about that word. So it's, it's, there's no third, is there a third definition? There is. And it's like more informal. And it says spoil or ruin. Oh, okay. Yes. Someone meddling and queering the deal at the last minute. Oh, I love that because that actually does tie into the punk approach to breaking it all down, like destroying it. So like when you're queering something, it's not just making it like accessible for, you know, the gays and the gals, but it actually has this um, connotation of ruining something. I love that. Not not even not even ruining so then then in academia it it has before it became like the word for gay academics and before it became the word for gay yeah queer that that kind of like ruining it, it was almost like dissenting so right. if you were in academia and it was you know back in the day you were like i'm gonna queer science we're queering something <laughs> it wasn't yeah. making science gay it was it was diverging from Love the it. original idea now it's like queering queerness so it, it just it has it it has a lot of it has a lot of levels oh queering queerness i think that's our alternate title okay. <laughs> um, <Working time. laughs> no so i think it's like a badge of honor to say like okay this is something that diverges like you're saying or like dissents from the status quo you know i feel like we do approach this more authentic free way of existing when you when you absorb queerness you know not and I don't mean in the sexuality sense but in a way of saying like hey like what if we turn this over on its side now what you know and I think like a lot of people can benefit from that approach to life like this philosophy of like when in doubt queer it when in doubt queer it out (laughs) I don't know and it's like the more pressure and force you put onto something to be controlled you're going to naturally get a pushback and so i think that's what punk was about too it's like we are now feeling so suppressed by this like authoritarian ship of society and at least for me my queerness was like that too where it's like i'm being told no 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 i can't do all these things that are like somewhat natural to me so now I'm going to raise the stakes and queer it even harder just to see where the conversation goes, right? So the more 
controlled and suppressed something is, the stronger it becomes as a movement. And I think that's what intrinsically queerness and punkness have in common. I think at the end of the day, like you can't talk about one without the other. And especially like if you're looking at the timelines, like they go through the same ebb and flow of, you know, how it was accepted and then rejected and then kind of reappropriated into like its own new thing. And I don't know, it's interesting what you're saying about punk being dead now. And I think in, in certain ways, you're right. Um, what would you say about queerness? Is, is it also dead? Queerness is not, queerness is not dead. Queerness is, is, is alive and well. It's alive and well. It is beating, honey, it's let me tell you. slowly taking over. The only <laughs> thing that's going to be left on television eventually is Drag Race. Like, I'm committed. <laughs> yeah. <Just> like, <laughs> but, um, queerness, I think that queerness is going through, um, like a transition phase. She's like going through puberty uh, because- She's taking her hormones. Yeah. Because <laughs> queerness has been so like accepted um, yeah. by the public, um, but only certain, only certain like- Facets of it, for sure. Facets, exactly. And, and I think that that goes the same with, with punk. Um, I want to talk about zines in general, because zines were kind of this way of, again, like dispersing information about community that wasn't necessarily sponsored by, you know, a bulletin or a newspaper or like a, a formal magazine. So in a way, that's how like a lot of queers and punks were able to get more people around. They would literally spend labor that wasn't paid for you know, making these things just for the sole purpose of finding more people like them. And so yeah. there was um, this zine in the 70s, forgetting the name, um, it's called like Zeds or like Zs, or whatever, I'll look it up. But it had this photo of Sid Vicious from the Sex Pistols in, um, in a bed with the manager and they're both shirtless and they're kind of like coming out of the, the mattress with like blankets and they look kind of suspicious. And on the side, it says, all punks are gay. So cool. And this was like literally in the 70s and it was in the zine. And they were like, just so you know, in this culture, anything punk is also going to be gay. And here we have fucking the basis from Sex Pistols to like support this. So of course, like any followers that that following gained had to be based off this premise that you need to know that these are fucking intertwined. I think that's amazing. I, I think that's really, really important. It's just really interesting what, um, like, what punk has not changed into because it's always been there the gay the queerness the the people of color i mean punk is a derivative of of rock and roll and and you know rhythm and blues which is black so like mm -hmm. black americans invented punk mm -hmm. um, love it and and so you have this thing that is just so like multicultural um that to see in this day and age when you like 
Google punk, it'll be like Avril Lavigne or it'll be like scene girls from the early 2000s yeah. or like old Gen Z's dressed up as scene girls like the from the early 2000s. And, and I think at the end of the day, the definition of punk is just to, to live in a way that is um, against this like kind of current statism, this current like effervescent capitalist monstrosity that we really can't get out of, but I'm a teacher, I'm being paid by the government, but what I'm teaching my kids is kind of contrary to what the government like wants them to understand. Like I teach in a very communal way, like you, you're not an individual, you are a member of this society. And that is just like contrary in, in so many ways to American culture. Yeah, no, I feel you. I think queerness and punk work best when they borrow from each other, you know? Yeah. I have absolutely no interest in integrating into cis, like hetero society. Yeah. Other than, again, I need my bills paid. I need <laughs> food on the table. But I but that I, is an integration of sorts, like regardless, you know, and it's kind of like you have to take that with like a grain of salt, like you can be as queer or punk as you want. But at the end of the day, like we do kind of exist under these terms and conditions and some fine print. So you're saying that we're not punk anymore. <laughs> Bitch, I'm pop punk. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> We're not punk anymore. <laughs> no, it's okay. I've, I, yeah, I'm, I'm all right with that. Again, no. you can't really have punk and queer if there's no system to, to fight it. And so if we all yeah. run off, like boring. I'm sorry. I'm, I love nature, but I'm not like a let me go off of the grid and like. I like my culture. I like my people. I like, I, I've lived in a city, you know, for the last 10 years. I yeah. can't, there's no punk in the forest. There's no queer. <laughs> in the forest. Like, right. Uh, no, yeah. She's a big city girl. She's, but like, she's a big this is what I was kind of saying earlier too. Um, punk cannot exist in like a vacuum. It yeah. exists because of the contrast to what is already existing. You know, it is this, like I was saying, Hegelian clapback. And so dialectic, yes, girl, yeah. yes, queen. Dialectical tonight. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> our professors, like our professors, would be so proud of us right now. Just like Shout throwing out the terminology out. English teacher, Mrs. Waller. No, I was late like every day, every day, half the time high, and she would not say anything. And like one time, we wrote this like short paper. And she used my paper as an example, had everyone redo it because they did it wrong, <laughs> except me. And I was like, not me showing up late for the class that I'm being like honored in. <laughs> That's, but, I, listen, I, as, yeah. a, as a graduate professor, I have those students too, where they're like, professor, and they like all have my number. They're like, I'm going to be late. I'm like, you're fine, because you always participate. So right. You're going to know when I'm there, girl. Like, be grateful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you put that tardy slip away. <laughs> <laughs> put it away not you being queer and late every day <laughs> every day of my life no but I was saying like even queerness too like at its core should be a retaliation towards the 
onslaught of heterosexuality. <laughs> and so, right, in a perfect utopia of things, like, I feel like queerness will become, like, a little more saturated. It'll just be, like, a little too hippy-dippy for me, where I kind of like the... I don't know the clashing of ideas and seeing like where that goes and for that reason like I want to be in like a society that challenges me so that I can challenge it back you know yeah I like that it's interesting I just I mean I wish you know that the society that we're in wasn't like so challenging I, I yeah. wish we were fighting for like normal things not like our lives <laughs> <laughs> Like, I, you know, I, I wish we were like, yeah, instead of like, stop killing us. Instead of like, help, please. Help us just like a little bit. Because I don't even, yeah, capitalism has destroyed any inkling of any sort of subculture, I feel like. And and that's kind of where we're at now. Right. Uh, it, it, it can go in a better direction um, with a little guidance, just a little bit. A little guidance? You can a have little a little bit. guidance. <laughs> Do you have some, some closing thoughts, Baby? Where punk okay. is now? Is it a tier? Is where, it a tier? I would say where punk is now is a queer because I think with um us as adults now it feels and with the with the fact that punk culture has been integrated into capitalism, um it's has a nostalgia about it, which is very comforting to me because okay. at the time as a kid, I felt very out, out of out of the loop. I felt very um, ostracized. Mm -hmm. And as an adult, when I meet other millennials from other parts of the United States and they're like, oh my God, I loved this band too. Oh my God, I totally listened to brand new. Oh my God, this <laughs> album like defined my childhood. Um, that 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 was really nostalgic for me. So I it, it's like fun to like draw back on that, even though it doesn't really exist anymore. It's like part of our childhood. Okay. Um, love you, but queer, I kind of disagree. I think it's a tear for me. I think punk had like all this potential to really branch out into something way more involved right now, like such a stronger collaborative subculture scene. And I'm not really seeing that anywhere. And even what you're saying about the nostalgia, like going back to this kind of like neo-punk movements, that is still not for me, like the core of it. I don't know. We're still like caught up in sort of the polished version of punk now and being able to embody its aesthetics and its attitude while still aggressively existing under capitalism. It's like, for me, it's not there. It's not it. I think I do subscribe to what you're saying about punk being like mostly dead. And it's, you know, it got so thwarted in the last few decades from what it originally stood for. Um, so for me, that's a tear. I feel more than ever queerness has um, expanded to, I mean, the, just the fact that there are words like non-binary that I can now pull from at, to identify how I'm feeling. Exactly. Before, I was like, oh, what is wrong with me? <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm a broken gay. But yeah, like, I'm no. like, 
what I don't even sometimes I'm really asexual like and so yeah. even just the idea that like queerness can be a culture outside of like sexuality which again that's going to be a whole nother um episode for us talking about like right. the sexualization of yeah, queer yeah. people but the fact that my identity is queer and it it was to me the words queer and punk are now like because back in my, you know, back in the day, it was, well, I'm just like a punk. Like, that's why people don't understand me. But at, in actuality, it was because of my my queer and non-binary traits, not even my punk traits that were being so aggressively pushed back on by, you know, the adults in my life. And, and yeah. turns out it was my queerness that they were, like, repulsed by not like the fact that I like wore jeans and t-shirts like that. Mm -hmm. That wasn't, it wasn't my aesthetic. It was, it was who I am. Mm -hmm. um, so again, having, having language to define me um, and being able to be non-binary. Right. Having that language be like less rigid, I think is reintroducing this idea of anti-rigidity <laughs> like within the queer community and Right, that comes from, again, we realized that queerness was becoming this, this binary too, you know, like there's acceptable gays, not acceptable gays, <laughs> or there's just gay and straight. And actually like, no, we need to create spaces for, for just anti-establishment, you know, in which it is. So what's the gayest thing you did this week? Um, while <laughs> everyone in my complex was watching football, I was watching Drag Race and drinking Chardonnay. Nice. The so Chardonnay. That is, that is, <laughs> yeah, I'm turning into a Chardonnay queen now. Um, nice. And I mix it with seltzer because I am a Long Island housewife. <laughs> In case you were wondering, <laughs> what would be your like housewife, like turnaround phrase? Or it's probably oh. that I am mixing this with seltzer. <laughs> yeah, that's I'm mixing this with seltzer. <laughs> I like it. I like it. All right. What's um, the first thing that you did this week? Mine is definitely this podcast. Like, okay. I love it. Thanks for getting together with me. Um, hashing it out. I feel like we touched on some important things, but of course, there's so much more to talk about about these two things. We might revisit it later, but for now, love you. And love you. Till next time, baby. And we love all our little queers. <laughs> Remember, stay gay. Stay gay. <laughs> Is that going to be our sign off? Stay yeah. gay. <laughs> stay gay. <laughs> love next it. Time, love queers. it. <laughs> okay. Bye, babe. Are we actually hanging up or are yeah. we just. Okay. Love you. <laughs> <Bye>. <laughs>